God's word with us. Well, good morning. Let's all stand up together as our campuses join with us. Let's say this, and this is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be with everyone today. Pastor Mark, he is out traveling, uh, speaking with some uh, Laugh Your Way stuff, speaking into marriages. Uh, so I have the opportunity to share with you this morning. And we've been in a series here at Celebration Church called Faith 101, where we've been diving into some of the foundational elements of our faith. And I want to continue in that this morning. And today, what I want to look at is what can you do to unlock blessings in your life? To have a blessed life. Have you ever looked at somebody, some man, some woman, and thought, man, they are blessed. What a blessed person. Or maybe to put it into a word that's more familiar with those that don't work at churches. Guys that work at churches say blessed all the time. You might you say fortunate or even lucky. And to make sure I was right, I dug into uh, the Greek to make sure I got the word right and all that kind of stuff. And I was looking at it. And that word blessed is exactly what that means. It means fortunate. Someone that's been fortunate in life, or maybe you might even say the word lucky. And the verse I want to dive into, kind of set up today's message, is found in James chapter 1, verse 25. I want to look at just the back half of the verse first, and it says this in James 1, 25. But doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How do you like the sound of that? Being blessed in everything that you do. God wants to bless you in your life. How would you like to be fortunate? Maybe you look at someone and they've done well in business or their family or whatever it is, and they are a blessed person when you look at them. God wants to bless you in your life. But it says that we do it by doing something. So what is it that we're supposed to be doing? We're going to take a look at that. We'll skip back just a few verses in James. Go back to verse 21. And it says this in verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. When you see therefore in the Bible, it's a good idea to see what is there for. And right here in James, the reason that it's there is James is talking about anger. And he's saying that anger can rob you of blessings in your life. And really, what he's getting at is that there's things that we know that we're supposed to do in life. And this can apply to anything, the things that you know you're supposed to be about. We know anger is not a good way to react in situations. You can be upset and all that kind of stuff, but there's a certain kind of anger that isn't right. James is saying if you do that, it's going to rob you of blessings. And we all know these ways of living, and God's saying if you do those things, it's going to rob you of blessings. So let's keep reading. Verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. James here is telling us that if you want a life that is marked with blessing, if you want to be fortunate in life, it starts with simply just doing what it is that you know you need to do. And you don't have to be some super Christian to figure all of this out. Like you don't have to have all the ins and outs of theology figured out. You don't have to go through seven years of Bible studies to do that. There is a certain morality that God has placed inside of every single person on this world that we all know. Like you don't like getting lied to, do you? So we know that you shouldn't lie. You don't like being stolen from, so you shouldn't steal. You don't want your spouse to commit adultery on you, so you should be faithful to your spouse. There's certain things that we just know in the Bible saying, here, just start with the things that you know you're supposed to do. And there's a section of scripture in 2 Peter that kind of walks through this thing of doing what you know you're supposed to do. And it's built kind of like a house. And I know a lot about building houses, not really. But I know that a house, I know it's got a foundation, right? Or maybe if you're in Wisconsin, it's even got a basement. And then there's, there's walls, I think, on a house. They put walls in, and maybe there's some joices that go up on the ceiling. And there's uh, insulation inside of walls and up in the attic. And they put a roof on it, and then they put shingles on it, and these different things that make up a home. And Second Peter's kind of like that. There's going to be a foundation to living out a life that has blessing, and then there's going to be these other parts that add on to it that make it like a home. So let's take a look. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Who, the one who has called us by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Christianity starts with experiencing God. And it says that you can live this out by his divine power, that God gives you everything you need for living out a godly life. Last week in the church calendar, the church remembers the season of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was set, said that the Holy Spirit would come into this world and the Holy Spirit came and that you can live this life out by the power of the Holy Spirit. At every single one of our campuses, we've got what we call discipleship classes. We'd encourage you, check them out. One of them is called Living Under the Influence, where you learn about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that is this divine power that allows you to live this thing out. So we'll read on. So he just got done talking about living this out by divine power. And in verse 4 it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Can anyone relate to those two words, human desires? We've all got human desires that are not consistent with how the Bible's called us to live, how God has called us to walk out this life. We've all got these kinds of desires that will conflict inside of us. It's called the flesh. We all struggle with it. So in verse 5, now we're going to see the foundation of this home that's being built. It says, in view of this, 
Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith, this moment of experiencing God. Supplement that faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. He's talking about that basic morality that God has placed inside of you. He's saying start by simply doing what you know you need to do or stop doing what you know you need to stop doing. He says add to that moral excellence Knowledge. This is why we participate in church. This is why we should go on a regular basis. Pastor Mark, last week in Faith 101, talked about the importance of connecting in at your local church. How important that is to hear the preached word. How important it is to do life with other people because through that, we grow in our knowledge. We grow in our understanding of how God has ordered things to work in our life. The pastor Mark communicated the idea of making church the primary social experience in your life, that the people that we rub shoulders with right in here, those should be the people that we walk through life with. Verse 6, it says this, and you add to that knowledge self-control, but it's so much easier to be out of control, isn't it? But you add self-control, and the more we learn about life, the more we learn about Christianity, you need self-control to actually Play this thing out in your life. So you need self-control. And then you add to that patient endurance. So what is patient endurance? It is continuing to do what you know you need to do even when things don't go right in your life. See, a blessed life is not a life that is free from trouble. Even the most lucky person in the world, the most blessed person in the world is going to die someday, which is kind of an unlucky move. Everyone is going to experience trouble in their life. Uh, In 2014, I had quite the trial that came into our family's life. Dana, a lot of you know my wife, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer in January and we walked through chemotherapy and then she got meningitis and this stuff tried to kill her several times different times. So you're living this thing out, doing what you know you're supposed to do, and then a trial comes, and that's when you need patient endurance to continue doing what it is that you know you need to do. Because I've discovered when people face a trial in their life, when they face a test, that's when you're tempted to do something like run away from God, or use it as a get out of jail free excuse card, and just go do all the things that you know you're not supposed to be doing in life, but you've got a choice to make. Are you going to draw near to God or are you going to run away in that moment? And in that, you need patient endurance. Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. He never said that we would be living lives free of trouble. He just said he would be with us in the middle of all of it. And we can, we can depend on God and walk through that with patient endurance. And you add to that, it says, godliness. When we make it through a trial, holding on to God, out of the other side is godliness. Out of the other side is blessings in your life. When we hold on to God, nobody likes being in the middle of a trial. But on the other side is blessings if you continue to hold on to God and walk with him in the midst of the storms in life. Verse 7, it says, add to that godliness with brotherly affection. We need others in our lives. Again, this is the why of why we're supposed to be connecting with people of faith. We need others in our lives. Um, When you're going through something, you need people that can stand up and have faith when you don't have the faith to stand. Pastor Mark talks a lot about 
that God wants to answer things in your life, prayers. He wants to bless you in your life. But a lot of times, it's that guy that's right over there, that girl that's sitting over there, but we don't get connected with others. That's why it's important that we connect and draw into each other and learn about each other's lives so that we can have that brotherly affection. And then lastly, you add to that with uh, love for everyone. This is the roof to the house. Love for everyone is love that expands to your neighbor. This is being the salt and light of the world. And verse 8 says, the more that you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those that God has chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, in verse 12, I will remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. This Faith 101 series is walking through these basics that we need to be reminded of over and over again in our lives. Before we finish our time together, I want to jump back in to James chapter 1. And I want to look at it because inside this section of Scripture, there's going to be a bit of a process that if we walk through this, we will unlock blessings in our lives. So here it is. These things function kind of like a bike. Uh, my son, Charlie, he's four years old, learned how to ride a bike on Memorial Day. Isn't it awesome to watch your kid learn how to ride a bike? There's nothing quite like it. And, you know, he, he wants to get out on it, and he, he asked me to take off his training wheels. And so I took him off, and I'm holding on to his seat, and I'm walking behind him, and I let him go, and he just starts riding his bike. And it's so awesome to see this kid ride his bike. His feet aren't even big enough to touch the ground yet. So awesome. And he's out there cruising around on his bike. So much fun. And uh, these things are kind of like a bike in James chapter 1. You know, uh, a bike's got handlebars so you can steer the bike. And it's got tires that go around and around on the ground so that you can move. And it's got a frame that keeps all these things together. And it's got sprockets or however you say those things. And it's got cogs, those things that make up the bike. And it's got a chain that goes around it that ties it together. And it's got pedals so that you can push them and move and brake so you can stop. And all these things that make up a bike. But if you take away the chain, you're not going anywhere because it connects the whole thing together. If you take away the frame, you've just got a bunch of pieces of a bike laying on the ground. It's not really a bike. And that's what James 1 is kind of going to look like. So let's look at it. What are the different parts that make up a blessed life? Number one, you've got to clean the junk out of your life. James 1 and 21 says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. The first part of having a life that is marked with blessing is cleaning the junk out of your life. 
at our Stevens Point campus. You guys might remember what that campus used to look like. It's in an old uh, warehouse, actually, and it's been used for, uh, it's been used for an armory, it's been used as a machine shop, it's been used as a construction company operated out of there, it's been used for a bunch of things other than a church. So when you go inside of a place that was a machine shop, it's not exactly a functional church. So before you can take a place like that and build it into what you need it to be, it starts with blasting out the junk. You've got to rip out floors and walls and ceilings and equipment and junk, and you clean it all out before you can start putting in the things you need to have a great church. And Stevens Point now has a beautiful church. Over the course of years and years, they've continued to make that place a more beautiful church, and it's a great place to go worship to this day. And if you go every six months, there's something new, and there's something better, and there's something that's been cleaned out and revitalized. The first part of having a blessed life is cleaning out the junk. If you've ever been to our Appleton campus, anyone seen the basement there? I think it was put in place to scare little children. It was a church that was built in like, you know, the early 1900s, and it had a basement, and they did it to make sure the children behaved. Well, today, kids can't handle that kind of stuff, so it scared the kids, but before we could have a great kids facility at our Appleton campus, it started with just blasting out the junk, and we ripped out walls and floors, and today, there's a beautiful kids area in our Appleton campus But those things didn't start that way. It started with pulling out the junk. That is number one. If you want to have a blessed life, you got to clear out the junk. The stuff you already know you need to stop doing or start doing in your life. Proverbs 4 and 18 says this, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining brighter and brighter until the full light of day. As you begin to walk out the things that you know you need to do in life, the path gets brighter and brighter. More and more blessings start to come in your life. But the opposite is also true. When you don't do what you know you are supposed to be doing, things get darker and darker in your life. Sin leads to death, the Bible says. In Romans chapter one, it talks about how society can be affected by this. It says this in verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. If you ignore what it is you know you're supposed to be doing, things will also grow darker in your life. So number one, do what you know you're already supposed to be doing and be obedient in that. Number two, accept God's word. James 1 and 21, the second half says, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So you've got to grow in understanding of how God has ordered things to work in this world. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. We can't just go along in life with our own understanding, because our own understanding of life isn't always congruent with how God has set up things to go. So the more you start to learn, we learn how God has ordered the world to work, and it'll make your paths straight. We do this by digging into the scriptures. We do this by hearing the preached word. So number one, clean out the junk. Number two, we've got to get knowledge. We've got to grow in our understanding. Number three, 
You got to do what it says. James 1 and 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it can get hard. At each one of our campuses, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever read something in the Bible or heard something at church and you didn't like what the Bible said about how we're supposed to be living out life? Show of hands. Now go ahead and look around at all of our campuses. Those that don't have their hands raised, those are all the people that have not read the Bible yet. Because the Bible is filled with things that, are, you know, it's tough. Like loving your enemies. How many of you just want to love your enemies, right? The Bible's got things in it that are hard to do and that don't make a whole lot of natural sense. But that is what we're supposed to be doing. Doing what it says. That is number three. Psalm chapter one, verse one says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now that word meditate, how many of you think that's some sort of Yoda thing? It's, it's really not, right? It's not like leaving your wife and kids and moving to the wilderness and just living off of the land and like just meditating scripture day in and day out and becoming a monk. That's not what it's talking about. Actually, it's talking about something that we in Wisconsin are quite familiar with and it is cows. Any of you ever hear of chewing the cud? That's kind of what it's getting at is chewing the cud. Chewing the cud is where a cow eats food gets it into his stomach, and then when he needs a bite of that food again, he brings it up, and he chews on that food again, nourishes his body, and then swallows it down, and then a little later when he needs it again, he brings it back up, chews on that cut a little more, and that's what it's getting at. It's saying as you begin to get this stuff inside of you, naturally what we would want to do is respond a certain way in a situation. We'd want to respond from our own flesh, our human desires. But as we begin to learn more and more about the scriptures, it's saying you can bring up that stuff that you've learned, and that's the kind of thing that God will start pouring these blessings into your life because you're bringing up that thing that's already been put inside of you. You gotta chew the cud. Verse three said that person that does that is like a person like a tree that's been planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. It's talking about blessings in your life. When you live life that way, blessings follow. So number one, clean out the junk. Number two, accept God's word. Number three, do what it says. And number four, lastly, look carefully into the mirror. James 1 and 23 says this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. What do you do in front of a mirror? You make the adjustments that need to be made, right? Like you start to notice things about your life. I just, uh, this last Thursday, celebrated my 37th birthday. Awesome. 
I think I might be turning into an old man because when I turned 37, I got in front of the mirror to closely inspect things and to see how it was looking and kind of evaluate. And I've noticed something. When you turn 37, I looked at my nose and growing out of it and out of other places was hair that normally didn't grow out of. And there was like a Brazilian rainforest coming out of my nose trying to become a fine mustache. So you gotta get in there with the weed whacker and take care of your nose the older you get. You gotta make adjustments, right? Or your ears, I was, ear hair grows. Who knew? Hair coming out of my ears, trying to turn into like Elvis sideburns. I get my hair cut now and she trims my ears. It's like I never used to get my ear hair trimmed when I got my hair cut. Or eyebrows, they do the same thing, right? Like you wake up one morning and you got one instead of two. You got to clean out the middle, right? You want two eyebrows, not one. In fact, one time I had a rogue eyebrow that was like coming out like this. And it was trying to connect with the rest of my hair. Scary things start to take place the older you get. So you got to look in the mirror and you got to look carefully and you got to make adjustments. There's another manifestation of hair. Some guys lose it. So far I've been good. I've kept my hair. But you got to make adjustments in your life. The mirror is your friends. Philippians chapter 3 says, not that I've obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead, we will always make these kinds of adjustments. We will never have arrived. Just like in Point, the campus, better and better every time we go look at it. These are things that we will constantly be walking through. Number one, clean out the junk. Number two, accept God's word. Number three, do what it says. Number four, look carefully into the mirror. And then that process just continues to repeat. It's like spring cleaning your house. Every spring you need to clean your house, especially if you're in my house because you got four kids and a dog and you got to spring clean your house. Otherwise, that stuff is just going to pile and pile on. And that, those things, those are the keys that if you have that working in your life, you can unlock a fortunate, blessed life. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift up this time to you. God, you said that this all starts with faith in you. It all starts with experiencing God. Lord, and there are people today at every single one of our campuses who have not experienced you. God, I pray that today might even be that moment that people would put their faith, their hope, and their trust in you. God, you're faithful to forgive us of our sins. Sin separates us from a holy God. Lord, I pray that you would draw hearts close to you this morning and that they would respond and that we would be people that would continue to walk through this process of cleaning the junk out, accepting the word of God in our lives, doing what it says, and looking carefully into the mirror so that we can continue to make these adjustments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.